The rental market is absolutely tanking and it is actually quite scary to see where this could head, especially after the interest rates have increased yet again by the RBA. So if you're interested in what my thoughts are, I'm back from Thailand, hopefully I've got a nice tan. And if you're interested in what I have to say, then definitely keep watching. Hey guys, my name is Ravi and welcome back to Personal Finance with Ravi Sharma. If you're new here, smash that subscribe button because I talk about real estate, cryptocurrency and financial freedom. Now, before I do jump into this video, I am very, very proud of the entire team and super grateful to be named as one of the fastest growing startups in Australia, according to Australian Financial Review. So we were ranked in the top 100 for 2023 and it is an amazing achievement, especially when I look back at my story of having started this YouTube channel where there was like less than 50 people watching at any point to now come this far. I'm really grateful. Thank you so much for watching and everyone that shares these videos, smashes that like button or subscribes, it goes a long way in this entire process, so thank you. Now, as we know, the RBA came out and they increased the interest rates because inflation apparently wasn't dropping fast enough. And Australia's inflation rate has eased to 4.9% in October, reducing likelihood of another rate rise. Australia's inflation rate has eased sharply in October as weak consumer spending made it less likely the RBA will inflict another interest rate rise on the economy. The consumer price index rose at an annual clip of 4.9%, Last month compared with 5.6% in September alone. The ABS said on Wednesday, economists had expected CPI to come in at 5.2%. What we can see is the CPI sank more than expected in October to 4.9%, a measure that excluded more volatile items also retreated to 5.1%. We also know that the price of oil has started affecting the petrol prices here in Australia. So we're expected to see petrol prices also be dipping over the next 10 to 14 days. Among the big movers was 6.1% increase in the cost of housing while transport rose by 5.9% and food and non-alcoholic beverages increased to 5.3%. Now here's where you get the catch 22. You have to increase rates because inflation's high, but it's getting driven largely by housing costs, which is determined by rents, right? And the rents will continue going higher because interest rates being so high has meant less people can actually borrow. And this is why we're seeing such a tight push and pull situation where despite interest rates having gone up so quickly, you're still seeing so much pressure on inflation from housing because you're like, well, there's not enough properties to rent. Now in traditional economics, and by no means am I an economist, and I'm not gonna pretend like I am one. I'm a guy with a black t-shirt that talks to you on YouTube. Let's be real. In traditional economics, what you would see is you'd have interest rates increase, that would slow down the economy, and it would mean that some people would lose jobs, you'd have companies slow down how many people they're gonna hire, unemployment rises, and as a result of that, you see pressure on the rental market. People start moving in with their families, they may not be able to afford higher rent, so then the pressure drops for the higher market, and then you start seeing that cascade. And you see inflation drop, you drop into a deflationary period, that's when you cut the interest rates and then you start having more economic activity. That would be Australia right now if it weren't for our aggressive immigration policies. So you have all these people coming into the country and suddenly you have a lot more demand for the lack of supply that's actually in the economy. That's probably why we're seeing prices still a lot higher in terms of housing. You continue to see rental growth and I've been saying this for the better part of two years on this channel that, hey, look, this is going to happen because they're going to bring a lot of people in. We will not be able to build enough homes and that's where the pressure will lie. Now, Australia's rental market is described as being in severe critical shortage. And what we can see is the rental vacancy rate here, the combined regionals being in the orange, the black line being the capital cities. And what we can see is capitals are at 0.9%. You got the vacancy rate for combined regionals at 1.2%. These are all like record lows and being under 1% is a severe shortage. And what we can see in the next graph is that the acute shortage has driven advertised rents up by around 30% since the start of the pandemic, causing severe financial pain for lower income Australians. Now, if you're someone that's been fortunate 
fortunate enough not to be affected by these things, you're gonna go, well, okay, what's an extra 50 bucks a week? But for so many people that run their budgets payslip to payslip, they're just holding onto their jobs, have no savings at this point because they've had to dip in because every single week their expenses are higher than the income they generate. And the main issue around that is dwelling completions. In the red, you have the population change and in the blue, you have completions. And what you can see is that the population change has been incredible. There's been so many people coming into Australia, yet the completions have actually dropped the other way. Now, in this case, let's say for instance, we had it flipped around. So population was going down and then you had completions going up. That would mean we would have a severe crack to our system in housing. We'd see prices fall through the floor. You'd have heaps of properties out there that would be empty, no tenants actually going into the property. That's what you also don't want because the government doesn't like that. Banks start collapsing, it's not a good show. But equally, you've now got other stresses in the system, which I think to a large extent could have been avoided because you would go, okay, let me forward think this. And this is where I want you to keep an open mind. Obviously, if you've been listening this far, you're clearly interested in what I have to say and my thought process. Think about it this way. When we were going through the pandemic and we realized we needed to have interest rates drop, we needed to have more economic activity, people needed to have confidence in the market. So they would go out and give money and there was money coming out to everyone. There was grants everywhere. You had JobKeeper, JobSeeker and fair enough. But interest rates were kept so low for too long. What we started seeing was economic activity going up and you started having inflationary pressures. And unfortunately, we didn't adapt with the data being live data. So we were going, hey, you know what? Our year on year CPI is really low. Don't worry about it. But if we saw the month to month change, you would see the bigger play. And that is exactly what's happening, but on the opposite front right now, where you have calls for interest rates to go higher and go higher and go higher. But if we didn't have interest rates as high as they are, I would go on to argue that housing, which has been largely driving this inflation narrative, would have actually eased a lot sooner. Let's assume the interest rates only went up by 300 basis points versus an extra 400 basis points. You would have so many more people in a position to be able to buy their homes. That would then alleviate some of those pressures from the rental market. You wouldn't have rents growing at like 10, 15, 20% year on year. You'd have it more sustainable at five or 6%. And as a result of that, you have less volatility in the market. What we're starting to see is booms and busts, but in a shorter period of time where you go and jack up interest rates really quickly, you're gonna have to cut them really quickly and you keep playing ping pong all the time. What you want is a leveled market that grows consistently over time. Now, when it comes to dwelling rent forecasts, Christopher from SQM Research says he forecasts seven to 10% growth in average capital city rents in 2024, led by the four largest capital cities. And what you can see here is the forecast for Perth being 12 to 15%, Brisbane seven to 10%, Darwin zero to 3%, Melbourne six to 9%, Sydney seven to 10%, Adelaide four to 7%, Hobart minus 5% to minus 2%, and then Canberra minus 6% to minus 2%. That would give us the average of 10%. This year in capital cities, it's grown by an average of 15.5%. I'm not sure what video I made, but I remember saying 15 to 20% is what the rents will increase. And I got smashed in the comments like, what are you talking about? When you think about something that is so abnormal, naturally your defense mechanisms go in and say, nah, that's not possible. And at the time when rents have only been really growing at like two or 3%, when you come out and say, oh, it's gonna grow up by 15 or 20%, of course the comment section is gonna go and have a field day. So I understand that. Now predictions being seven to 10% seems pretty normal. I would go on to say it's gonna be at least 10%. And I know for a fact that when you're looking at these averages, you've got Hobart and Canberra really pulling it down. But if you were to eliminate some of those markets and you were to go into the areas that most people are renting, most people are buying and investing into, 
with your Perth, Brisbane, Melbourne, and Sydney, that average is closer to about 15%. I would go on to say that that average is gonna be closer to 15% yet again in 2024. So you've got on one hand, interest rates trying to go up, RBA trying to reduce the amount of inflation in the system. You're starting to see it already. If you look at the last couple of months, we've started trending down. The per capita recession continues, retail spending's in the toilet. Confidence is something we shouldn't even talk about because nobody's confident at this point. It is like the worst time to be alive as a human, according to some of the data that's coming out. And we're in a time now where max fear, max pain is being played out. So with all of this in mind, do we still think interest rates, should they still go up in December and in February? Or should we just take a moment and actually assess what is playing out here? And why is it playing out? No longer is it because some war was happening overseas, it's internal here. And yes, there's pressures from overseas, but I think it's largely driven by what's happening in Australia now. And that's why we can turn off the taps when we like. But again, we've got a government that's addicted to having migrants in the country. I'm not sure why. But if you have enjoyed this video, you got a thought or two, leave me a comment down below. I'd love to know what your thoughts are and I'll catch you guys in the next one. Thanks guys.